Chapter Thirty Five of the Golden Silence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Golden Silence by Alice Muriel and Charles Norris Williamson. Chapter Thirty Five. The caravan stopped in front of the Zoea Gate. There were great iron doors and a high wall of tube, which was not much darker in color than the deep gold of the desert sand. And because it was after sunset, the doors were closed. One of the negroes knocked and called out something inarticulate and guttural in a loud voice. Almost at once, the gate opened and a shadowy figure hovered inside. A name was announced, which was instantly shouted to a person unseen, and a great chattering began in the dusk. Men ran out, and one or two kissed the hand of the rider on the white horse. They explained volubly that the Lord was away, but the newcomer checked them as soon as he could, saying that he had heard the news in the city. He had with him ladies, one a relative of his own, another who was connected with the great lord himself, and they must be entertained as the lord would wish, were he not absent. The gates or doors of iron were thrown wide open, and the little procession entered a huge open court. On one side was the accommodation for many animals, as in a caravanserai with a narrow roof sheltering thirty or forty stalls, and here the two white maharis were made to kneel, that the women might descend from their basuras. There were three, all veiled, but the arms of one were bare and very brown. She moved stiffly, as if cramped by sitting for a long time in one position. Nevertheless, she supported her companion, whose basur she had shared. The two Sudanese negroes remained in this court with their animals, which the servants of the Zuea began helping them to unload. But the master of the expedition, with the two ladies of his party and Fafan, was now obliged to walk. Several men of the Zuea acted as their guides, gesticulating with great respect, but lowering their eyelids and appearing not to see the women. They passed through another court, very large, though not so immense as the first, for no animals were kept there. Instead of stalls for camels and horses, there were roughly built rooms for pilgrims of the poorer class, with little, roofless, open-sided kitchens, where they could cook their own food. Beyond was a third court, with lodgings for more important persons, and then the travellers were led through a, a labyrinth of corridors, some roofed with palm branches, others open to the air, and still more covered in with the tube blocks of which the walls were built. Along the sides were crumbling benches of stucco, on which old men lay rolled up in their burnouses, or here and there a door of rotting palm wood hung half open, giving a glimpse into a small, dim court duskily red with the fire of cooking in the open-air kitchen. From behind these doors came faint sounds of chanting, 
and spicy smells of burning wood and boiling peppers it was like passing through a subterranean village and little dark children squatting in doorways or flattening their bodies against palm trunks which supported palm roofs or flitting ahead of the strangers in the thick musky scented twilight were like shadowy gnomes by and by as the newcomers penetrated farther into the mysterious labyrinth of the vast zoea the corridors and courts became less ruined in appearance the walls were whitewashed the palm wood doors were roughly carved and painted in bright colors which could be seen by the flicker of lamps set high in little niches each tunnel-like passage had a carved archway at the end and at last they entered one which was closed in with beautiful doors of wrought iron through the rich network they could see into a court where everything glimmered white in moonlight they had come to the court of the mosque which had on one side an entrance to the private house of the marabout the great sidi el hajj mohammed ben abdel kadir leila seda o light of the young moon if it please thee thou hast two guests come from very far off announced an old negress to the woman who had been looking out over the golden silence of the desert it was an hour since she had come down from the roof and having eaten a little bread with soup she lay on a divan writing in a small book several tall copper lamps with open-work copper shades jewelled and fringed with coloured glass gave a soft and beautiful light to the room it had pure white walls round which close to the ceiling ran a phrase of arab lettering red and black and gold the doors and window blinds and little cupboards were of cedar so thickly inlaid with a mother of pearl that only dark lines of the wood defined the white patterning of leaves and flowers the woman had thrown off the blue drapery that had covered her head and her auburn hair glittered in the light of the lamp by which she wrote she looked up vexed thou knowest nora that for years i have received no guests she said in a dialect of the soudan in which most saharian mistresses of negro servants learn to talk i can see no one the master would not permit me to do so even if i wished it which i do not pardon loveliest lady but this is another matter a friend of our lord brings these visitors to thee one is kin of his she seeks to be healed of a malady by the power of the baraka but the other is a Romia. the wife of the great marabout shut the book in which she had been writing and her mind travelled quickly to the centre of the carrier pigeon a european woman the first who had ever come to the zawiya in eight years it must be that she had a message from him somehow he had contrived this visit she dared ask no more questions i will see these ladies she said let them come to me here already the old one is resting in the guest-house answered the negress she has her own servant and she asks to see thee no earlier than to-morrow it is the other the young romia who begs to speak with thee to-night 
the wife of the marabout was more certain than ever that her visitor must come from the centre of the pigeon she was glad of an excuse to talk with his messenger alone without waiting go fetch her she directed and when thou hast brought her to the door i shall no longer need thee nora her heart was beating fast she dreads some final decision or the need to make a decision yet she knew that she would be bitterly disappointed if after all the european woman were not what she thought she shut up the diary in which she wrote each night and opening one of the wall cupboards near her divan she put it away on a shelf where there were many other small volumes a dozen perhaps they contained the history of her life during the last nine years since unhappiness had isolated her and made it necessary to her peace of mind almost to her sanity to have a confidant she closed the inlaid doors of the cupboard and locked them with a key which hung from the ribbon inside her dress such a precaution was hardly needed since the writing was all in english and she had recorded the events of the last few weeks cautiously and cryptically not a soul in the marabout's house could read english except the marabout himself and it was seldom he honoured her with a visit nevertheless it had become a habit to lock up the books and she found a secret of pleasure in it she had only time to slip the ribbon back into her breast and sit down stiffly on the divan when the door was opened again by nora o oh, leila seda i have brought the rumia the negress announced a slim figure in arab dress came into the room unfastening a white veil with fingers that trembled with impatience the door shut softly nora had obeyed instructions End of chapter 35